0: And I realized that he had loved me so much that he even foresaw what I would go through and thought it so important to sovereignly mark my life as a child with the power of his presence, not just religion, with the power of his presence and awaken me to his voice.
1: Hey, everyone. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. We have made it to the last month of 2020, what a year. And it is all things Christmas. I'm wondering if you're ready, if you're decorating, if you are doing all the fun things as a family, going to see Christmas lights, or what your plans are. I know we could all use some hope and encouragement as we round out this somewhat difficult year, and that's exactly what you're gonna get today with my special guest, Tammy Sutherland. She's the host of The Voice of the Burning Ones, a CPN podcast right here where I'm hosted on the Charisma Podcast Network. She's the author of a brand new book, Permission to Burn, Breaking the Chains of Compromise from a Holy Generation. And we're gonna talk about that book today. She is also on staff at the International House of Prayer in Atlanta. She's a passionate lover of Jesus, and she's a wife and mother of three. Welcome, Tammy. I know I'm familiar with you from CPN, but for those who don't know you, tell us all the things about you. Well,
0: just the passion of my heart is just to see a generation burn with passion for Jesus. My show on the, um, the Charisma Podcast Network is the voice of the burning ones, and the the heart of the show is to put those who love to live around the throne of God Uh, doing what he's doing, saying what he's saying, putting them on display so that we can hear his voice and what he's doing and what he's saying in the earth. And so um, the driving line passion in my heart has always been intimacy with the Lord and really causing people to live a sustainable lifestyle of burning or a sustainable lifestyle of revival. And to me, um, Angela, that really has to do with focusing on the day-to-day, you know, living, I believe that we can live a lifestyle of revival. I believe we can live a lifestyle of um, progressively growing in our uh, passionate desire for Jesus. And so um, many years ago, experienced a trauma in my life, and that trauma is what caused me to come to the place, rubber meets the road. You know, am I going to live a lifestyle of religion? Am I going to walk away from the Lord, or am I really going to go after finding out who he is and who I am in him? And so um, media, uh, books, and ministry became a byproduct of a passionate desire to just live in love with Jesus and knowing him and knowing his word.
1: I love that. So is permission to burn a composite of your entire life and your ministry, or is it an opportunity for you to share steps of how we can stay in sustainable revival?
0: Well, I would say yes and no. Um, With it being my first published book, I had a a hard time kind of wading through, do I want to present the fullness of my story or do I really want to haunt into, uh, you know, the keys to burning? And so just to give you a little bit of backdrop, when I wrote the book, it took three years and uh, I really focused in on the keys to burning in the beginning the process of writing the book. And by the time we got done with the first draft of the book, we were like, we've got to include the story. And so we went back and we wove in the story of my life and walking through the ups and downs, the the trauma and the, you know, uh, matters of being you know, shut down as far as being a woman of ministry and a wife and a mother having a voice, we walk through these things. And so the the gist of the book is giving you keys to release the weight of God's glory and to commission you as a believer to walk in your identity as a holy messenger, um, to be able to proclaim the truth of who God is in this confused generation. And at the same time to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what life throws at you god is inviting you into a journey of walking in this lifestyle of being on fire and growing growing in him all the days of your life
1: thank you so much tammy you know here on the podcast we talk about ways that we have seen God used even our messy and painful situations to bring about his purpose in our life and really to see miracles in the middle of the mess. And I want people to buy your book, so I don't want you to feel like you have to share the whole story, but if you could just give us some of the backstory of the trauma that it sounds like not only shaped your life, but shifted the trajectory of your life, I would love to hear how you discovered not only the presence of God, but the stability of God's character. In the middle of all that you went through, Tammy.
0: Hmm. You know, I want to start with this story in Whenever I was a child, I feel like the Lord marked my life. I always had a, an unbelievable hunger for His presence. Now, I didn't grow up in a spirit-filled, um, like, uh, you know, church. I didn't wasn't introduced to the Holy Spirit and to the gifts of the Spirit, but I always had such a hunger for His presence. And I would encounter the Lord at at camps, church camps, growing up, and I was baptized. The Holy Spirit in middle school, but didn't necessarily have the discipleship to walk out, you know, the ins and outs of, of what it looks like to hear, you know, from the Lord and experience what we're talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. And so I found myself and the, my desires for Him increasing, but my understanding of Him and the Word decreasing as I walked through, you know, my teenage years and into college. And so I found myself in college. Pledging a sorority, trying to figure out who I was, trying, you know, like most teenagers do, um, trying to decipher, you know, between career and calling. And in this process, I had dated the same guy all through school, never had another boyfriend, planned on marrying him, and and felt like I needed to call that relationship uh, at least on a pulse. And in that process, you know, pledging a sorority, I was actually um, raped. And, and, and it was a hazing um, reality. I don't know if you know much about hazing, but hazing is illegal on college campuses, but it still happens. And I was drugged and I was raped as a freshman in college. And in that experience, not only was the sexual trauma um, bad enough, but the 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 incident was covered up. You know, I don't. Not very many people are completely familiar of what happens to your mind when you are drugged with a, a date rape drug. But you do not remember the details of what happened to you, and that's why it's the perfect storm because you are, are somewhat deceived into um, maybe thinking that you were, you know, in agreement to the abuse that happened to you. And so I went through that process of trying to figure out, was this my fault? Did I um, agree to the sexual encounter? I don't really know what happened. And by the time, you know, I began to understand that I was truly um, taken advantage of, did not know the person, it was too late. And for a solid six months to eight months I was um, shut down and shut up, and threatened that if I ever talked about this, that that they would make my life a living hell. And 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 they did. They they kept they were good on that promise. And so I found myself in this ultimate trauma where I could trust no one. I didn't have the language to explain what had happened to me. I grew up in small town South Carolina. I was very naive. I didn't know that I couldn't trust everyone. Um, I grew up in an upper middle class family and and thought that these kind of things only happened to people with broken homes and was in a midst of crazy confusion but in the middle of all of that Angel, I was crying out to the Lord. I was, you know, that encounter that I had with God was when I was baptized in the spirit in middle school, marked my life and his presence was so real to me. And God came in and he continued to pursue my heart. Now, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit and, and skip over a lot of details that you can read about in the book. Because the very first chapter of the book is called "Shattered Dreams," and I go into some of this. But in this, in this back and forth. Um, just confusion and trying to find out who I was, and seeing, feeling like my life was going down the drain, and I was becoming a shadow of who I was before. I was sleeping with my Bible. I was crying out to the Lord, and I was asking Him to rescue me. And I, you know, had no, um, really, very little contact with my parents. I was afraid, you know, of what they thought of me, of what I was going through. And my mom tells this story. She said that when I wouldn't answer my phone and I wouldn't talk to them, all she could do was go before the Lord and say, God, if you will rip her out of the clenches of Satan, I will serve you, God. And will you pull my daughter out of the clenches of Satan? And that very night, Angela, my brother came into a bar where I was partying, where I was drinking, where I was hoping that I didn't live, you know. Um, My brother comes into the bar and he looks at me not knowing what I went through. Now, he's younger than I am. He's Baptist. And he's saying, you know, I want you to know how stupid you look. You're throwing your life away. And he starts taking shots. Now, I do not tell people this is not the best avenue of evangelism. But he started taking shots, and he's getting drunk, and I'm saying, no, like, you don't understand what I've been through, and he was like, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to do it with you. He said, now I want you to go with me on a youth retreat tomorrow, and I'm looking at him like, you've lost your mind. You're getting drunk. I'm getting drunk. I'm not going on a Baptist youth retreat, you know, and in, in all of this, I went to bed that night didn't sleep, wept before the Lord, got up at four o'clock in the morning, began to pack my things, drove to my hometown, and I pulled into the parking lot of this church at 7.30 a.m. They were pulling out in a bus to go on a beach retreat and they stopped the bus. They let me on the bus. I went on the retreat. That night, the presence of the Lord broke into that room, and I began to weep in the presence of God, and I looked at my brother, and my and the Lord said to me, this is what love looks like. I believe you, and I sent him into the darkness to pull you out. God broke in, and in that room, the presence of God caused conviction to wash over every person in that room, and every person in that room wept, prayed, repented, and gave their life to Jesus that night on that retreat, and that's where the burning
1: began for me. Wow, Tammy, thank you so much for just your honesty and your vulnerability, and I'm just I'm thinking about the men and the women that are listening right now who maybe have experienced some kind of trauma or a sexual abuse, and they have felt shut up and shut down. And yet, how encouraging that now you are this strong voice that empowers others to burn. And you actually even use the word voice in your podcast name, Voice of the Burning Ones someone whose voice was taken from them due to trauma. And I wanna know what helped you to come out of this wake of trauma. How do we say to someone who's saying, listen, I feel shut down, I feel shut up because of what has happened to me. How do I get out of this place? What happened to help you make that transition coming out of that season of trauma and the impact of that trauma into a healed place now being used so powerfully by God?
0: Well, I have to say this the very most important part of my restoration experience was the Lord with the Lord was encountering the Holy Spirit again, being baptized in His Spirit, and having a a spiritual parent, spiritual mother, and father come alongside and begin to teach me who I am. Mm-hmm. This is the scripture that I held on to. It was 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Right. You see, that scripture became my lifeline, because what I saw was that the enemy tried to steal my life and my destiny, and God gave it back, and I remembered when I was in sixth grade, (laughs) and I was at this Pentecostal church camp. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, didn't know it hit me, and they began to prophesy over me in the sixth grade at the age of you know, 11, 12 years old, had no idea what that meant or anything, didn't understand these things. But I realized that he had loved me so much that he even foresaw what I would go through and thought it so important to sovereignly mark my life as a child with the power of his presence, not just religion, with the power of his presence and awaken me to his voice. And so therefore, in this pursuit, the Lord pursued me in this pursuit through the darkness to pull me back into the light, to answer my little Methodist mama's cries, pull her out of the clenches of Satan. His desire was to make me a messenger. His desire was to take all of the things that the enemy meant for harm and flip them on their head and bring it about for his good, for my good, and to give me a voice where it had been taken from me. I held on to this scripture. You know, we if we grow up in the south, in the southern, you know, in the in the in the Bible Belt, scriptures become you know almost browbeating in a way mm-hmm. and and we and we don't realize the power of the word of god but after that encounter his voice broke in and this word became life to my dna i believed like a child that i had been recreated in him and i declared and determined within myself that i would never again allow Anybody or anything, even myself, to take that clean slate and dirty it up again. And so that, I believe, I walked through initial deliverance. You know, in many ways, I believe I was like the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus, you know, deserving to be stoned because I skipped a lot of parts of my story. After I was raped, I was lost, and and I had no ability in myself to say no. I wanted to just, I wanted to die. And so I made a lot of mistakes. I became sexually promiscuous through that process. I was uh, ended up in in trafficking situations that God rescued me out of. It it was beyond the the defilement that had happened to me. I felt like I defiled myself. He delivered me from all of these things. He delivered me and empowered me. And that began a process of healing, growing, and knowing that I was saved, you know, in very much the same way as Esther for such a time as this, it couldn't not be a voice.
1: Wow. Thank you, Tammy. That is so powerful. And there's just so many things that you are sharing that I know are so impacting to those that are listening. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you chose to share your story In this book that you've just released, Permission to Burn, I would love for you to walk us through how you moved from your own story and and give us one of the keys that we can implement in our own lives, moving us out of places of compromise or complacency or brokenness from trauma into places of empowerment. Your book is Permission to Burn, Breaking the Chains of Compromise from a Holy Generation. Absolutely. I would love to. I will say for me,
0: um, the the lovesick reality of the pursuit of Jesus, the bridegroom pursuing me as his bride uh, became a very key component. And I believe that it moves it beyond this is my story into this is the bridal reality. If you... You know, we talk about this some in the book, and I go into some of the Song of Solomon reality, some of the, you know, the John the Beloved, how he was the disciple that laid his head on the on the chest of Jesus, endured a massive persecution, and finds himself as the author of the book of Revelation in a revelation of Jesus mm-hmm. in his fullness, in his glory. There is a key. To finding yourself in a hot pursuit of him that will cause you to be grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love all the days of your life. And for me, and I'll fast forward to this 2007 I was in Nashville, Tennessee, in a stadium, having done 40 days of prayer and fasting. I wasn't familiar with Lou Engle and the call. I wasn't familiar with any of the people on the platform. But I had been compelled by God, after reading an email from Lou Engle, to consecrate a fast, to gather together and cry out for God, God. Just, it wasn't even about the justice issue, which I was introduced to there at the call. It was about crying out for God to release His presence into an entire generation. And so, what? What am I? Where am I going with that? The love reality. It says that when Jesus met the disciples on the road to Emmaus, after his his, um, crucifixion and his resurrection, he began to unfold to them the word of God, the scriptures, as they were walking on the the road. They were downcast. They were frustrated. They didn't know. um, They didn't understand what they had just walked through through. They had just watched their Savior, um, you know, crucified. And it says after he unfolded the scriptures to them, and then he disappeared. They looked at one another as they realized they had just talked to the Messiah, and he explained to them about himself. Their statement was, did our hearts not burn within us? And so here's a moment of the fellowship of the burning heart. Number one key it is the lovesick reality of burning regardless of the circumstances. Number two is a fellowship of burning. It is absolutely necessary that we find ourselves in the, in the first commandment, loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and all of our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. There's an understanding that God did not call us to do this alone, but at the same time, he meets us where we are. And so throughout the book, I weave in these keys of unity in the brethren of walking together in the fellowship of the burning heart, in the pursuit of God and God alone, regardless of what circumstance we're coming that are coming for us. John, the beloved, is one of my favorite characters and favorite examples of this lifestyle. He gets the reality of being young. And he was one of the youngest of, of that childlike faith, of the proximity and nearness to the Lord, of the walking through disappointment, and then yet at the same time being resilient to persecution and finding himself still craving that intimacy with God whenever he is on the island of Patmos. Most people may or may not understand this, but he was the one that they couldn't kill. (laughs) He was the martyr that couldn't be martyred. You know, he was boiled in oil, so therefore exiled, but yet never left his hunger. And in that, he was dreaming heaven's dreams. If we find ourselves identifying with characters in the word of God, in their realness in their authenticity in taking on the hunger that they they chased after Jesus with we'll also find ourselves in this sustainable burning one of the major keys of this book is do not quit if you don't quit you win you know it's it's find people to burn with but find yourself burning with him ultimately in revelation 4 we're invited to 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 come up higher to ascend. You know, David talks about ascending the hill of the Lord. Ephesians 2.6 talks about being seated within heavenly places. We're invited to come up higher and see what he's doing, mm-hmm. say what he's saying, go where he's de- going. And yes, this is a supernatural reality, but there is also practicality to it. And part of that is just the tenacity of not quitting and pursuing and in being asking God to make you the hungriest person that has ever lived because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled
1: Tammy, I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about this topic and the desire you have to see all of us live a passionate pursuit of God. And I'm going to invite you to pray over us in just a moment, but I know people are going to want to connect with you and purchase your book. So can you let us know how we can do that? And if there's anything else you'd like to share with us?
0: Well, one, you can connect with me um, on Facebook and Instagram, Tammy Sutherland. Um, you can just, you can look at, you can look me up at Tammy Sutherland and website. Yes. Um, one of the things though, I would say is, is find the podcast. I love to disciple through the podcast. Um, through, you know, these different avenues, we are producing content that we are going to use to disciple the burning ones that we hope across the nation. Uh, We're going to be launching a few courses, one that will go along with the book, um, that's going to take us through some of these keys of of burning, but also create community. I believe that's so important. We're facing a time right now, um, as we know, in our nation, that is definitely an hour of compromise in an hour of crisis you're going to definitely need to find other people that are pursuing the truth of the word of god that's one of the things i really haunt in in this book you have to know the truth you've got to find the truth of the word of god as your plumb line Right. And so that's one of the reasons we're creating the courses. We're creating a lot of YouTube content. Um, we w- really want to give you keys and tools to not let your fire burn out. And if you are, if you do feel weak in your faith, we want to walk with
1: you in that. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's, that's some of the best ways. Tammy, I'm so honored you have just chosen to take your time to be with us here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Your story is so powerful. It is so encouraging. It is so empowering for those of us who have felt shattered or shut down by trauma, by experiences, knowing that our voice is always heard in heaven. So I'm going to invite you to pray over us today today. Thank you for being here. I'll put everything in the show notes, how we can connect with you, TammySutherland.com. Make sure you pick up a copy of her book, Permission to Burn, Breaking the Chains of Compromise from a Holy Generation. Thank you, Tammy. And hey, guys, I want to say this
0: one thing. The way that you will grow in this burning and in this intimacy is learning to pray. Jesus said, you know, I'm sorry, the disciples asked Jesus this one thing to teach us to pray. And so I want to pray for your prayer life. I want to pray for your fire in your heart to burn brighter. And one of the things I didn't go into and I do in the book is, is that um, opposition to your voice specifically if you're a woman and you have a desire you know, to be a voice. There's going to be a lot of opposition to that, but your voice is always heard in heaven. Your voice is heard in heaven. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would awaken the hearts of the burning ones. God, that you would pour out your spirit even right now through this podcast. Lord, that you would break free those that have been victimized, Lord, from the place of being a victim into being a victor in you. God, I thank you, God, that even right Right now that you're healing vocal cords, that you're physically healing vocal cords, that you're physically healing bodies and minds. Lord, Father, I know that trauma creates physical wounding. Uh, PTSD and things of that nature so right now in Jesus name I want to speak against any type of fracturing in the personality I want to command that to come into alignment and to be unified and one in the Lord right now in Jesus name I believe that the Lord is healing minds he's delivering people from um, mental illness right now in Jesus name he's healing your body and it says in his word that a bruised reed he does not break in a smoldering wick. He does not put out. And I just want to declare over you right now that He's giving you your voice back and these blowing wind on your flickering, burning. Um, even some of you, you may have think you may have thought like I've walked away from the Lord in the part of trauma. And the Lord is saying to you, "But I was with you. I am. I was walking with you, and there I was with you, just like the disciples who were." confused and traumatized. I was walking with you on the road. I was revealing myself to you. And even right now in this podcast, you're finding that your heart is burning and you're realizing that it's him. And so, Father, I thank you for that right now in the name of Jesus. I just speak a fresh wind of your spirit, revival awakening in Jesus' name.
1: so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected. So be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioBOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.